Movies by minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time, that's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best saddle up now, kids, cause here we go! Howdy, partners, and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minutes podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Rob, from the Movie Rob Minute, which was formerly known as The Great Escape Minute. And I'm Todd, from the Forgotten Film Cast. And we're here on this lovely Monday to start talking about episode... 71. Minute 71 of this movie starts off with Emmett continuing his conversation with Hannah and goes all the way till we see McKittrick's men breaking up the party. So, Todd, let's first tell everybody a little bit of our history of this movie. What's your history of this movie? Uh, I saw it back probably around 1986, a year or so after it would have been in theaters. I didn't see it in theaters. I think I saw it on VHS. And then I don't know. I don't know if I ever saw it again in its entirety, but I saw bits and pieces on cable here and there. It was a movie I always liked, but I don't know that I ever really sat down for a deep revisit of it until uh, just recently. So, so this was a treat. All right. Well, I, I actually have loved this movie ever since I first saw it. I'm pretty sure I saw it on cable. I mean, 1985, I was 11. So I don't think I saw it in the theater. It is possible. You know, unfortunately, I can't remember all the movies I saw in the theater in the 80s, but I know what movies I've seen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being a kid of the 80s, we had HBO. So, you know, I would I would go and sit down and and mark up the the cable booklet when we would get it at the first of the month and mark which movies I wanted to see and what because they would have synapses of everything and stuff like that. So you and me both. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I I saw this numerous times on cable and I always loved it. I, I probably understand it a little better now than I did back then, but it was still a fun movie to watch, you know, as a teenager. Yeah, well, and and I think for me it was it was really one of my first exposures to westerns uh, because you know in the eighties there weren't a lot of them, and no. so you know and and back then I wasn't really that much digging into older movies yet. Uh, I was watching what was current. And so, you know, to have a Western roll around, that was a pretty rare occurrence in the mid 80s. Yeah. And come on, it was Lawrence Kasdan, even though we probably didn't know much about Lawrence Kasdan back then. I mean, I I think I knew that he was part, he was connected to the Big Chill and somewhat connected to the Star Wars movie. Star Wars. Yes. That was where I knew him from. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So this minute is, is a fun minute because. You know, it's it starts off by continuing this little uh, celebration that that started. You know, I'm sure Jim spoke about it in in length on Friday when he was talking about it. But what what struck me right at the beginning of of I mean, I rewatched this movie in, in its entirely before uh, you know just, just diving into the minutes themselves. But this is pretty much the first time that Emmett is actually talking with Hannah, but their conversation is sort of a goodbye. I mean, you know, weeks ago, they they discussed the fact, I'm sure, about going through, you know, the you had you had the 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 whole group of of people going across the the plains, you know, in their in their uh, wagon train and stuff like that and everything that happened there. But but it was more paid in 
who was right. eyeing her than Emmett. So for me, it was a little strange when I was watching this earlier today. And I saw, wait a second, where's this whole thing? Something something must be missing. You know, yeah. why, yeah. you know, because Emmett made a comment when, when they were on the wagon train to Payton about the fact that Payton wanted to stay and actually sit and talk with her or watch her, you know, especially after her mm-hmm. husband got shot. So yeah. Yeah, I think someone even makes a comment back that, uh, you know, the, the body's not even cold yet or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I had always had the impression that in the early parts of the film, it seems like Payton is the one that is going to be making the moves on her. <laughs> and then it kind of switches gears. Um, it's always, um, I, I was I was curious when I was looking at this because I was like, all right, I know Scott Glenn's got to be quite a bit older than Rosanna Arquette is, you know, and I looked it up and they're 20 years age difference here, yeah. which I I mean, given I, I started to think about it more and I thought, well, I suppose that probably wasn't that uncommon, you know, for this era of of history, because I know in looking at various things, you see examples of, you know, older men who, you know, they establish themselves, they have a a business or a farm or whatever. And then, um, you know, a, another family tries to marry off their, their daughter to, to this man who's already established that type of thing. So the more I thought about it, I thought, well, it does, it's probably not that much of an age difference considering the, the times and, and the culture and all that. But still, you know, when I look at it, I go, well, I know Rosanna Arquette's nowhere near as old as Scott Glenn is. So Right. I mean, it's also funny if you look at the ages of the other the other actors that are here. I mean, you have Kevin Klein, who is eight years younger than Scott Glenn. So, again, he's still 12 years older than Roseanne Arquette when he's chasing her. And then and Kevin... he's older than his actual wife, Phoebe Cates. You know, that that's the one that's always a pain for us in the 80s that grew up with a crush on Phoebe Cates. It's like, yeah. you went and married Kevin Klein? Come on. <laughs> That's true. But don't worry, we'll, we'll talk about Fast Times a little more later this week. There, there, there yes, are, is a exactly. connection to Fast Times here. There you know, is for, for all those people looking for, for 80s connections, you know, that's what Todd and I are here for. We're, we're going to give you <laughs> 80s connections to, to this. Obviously, the movie is came out in 85, but there are a lot of 80s connections here. And I mean, the closest in age is actually uh, Kevin Costner, who is four years older than Roseanne Arquette. But then if, you know, Jake and Emmett are brothers, so that means there's like a 15, 15 year years. difference, 16 yeah. year. Yeah. Almost exactly 16 years. Yeah. Cause they were, they were actually both born in January. So there's a 16 year difference between the two of them. Obviously, you know, we know that, that when you're dealing with, with actors or with characters in movies, you know, they're not necessarily going to be the same age as the actor who, who's playing them, but mm-hmm. you know, you still need to, to be in somewhat of, of a range, I guess you can say. Well, and Kevin Costner just looks so young in this movie. That was one of the big shocks as I revisited it. Was like, wow, Costner looks young in this. Yeah. You know, he, and, he's, and I mean, he's a baby face. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, the same can be said of Rosanna Arquette. And I think, you know, as I was watching this, I've actually watched a couple movies recently that Rosanna Arquette was in. And I, first of all, it kind of reminded me of like, wow, I. I really like her as an actress, you know, I, I kind of forget about her. She doesn't do that much these days, you know, but, um, you know, I always found her very appealing. She has this kind of this innocence to her, this childlike quality. And I think that's kind of 
part of why she's in this role, I think. You know, she's supposed to have that that kind of kind of innocence to her, uh, but also be a little bit hardened just because of like the journey across the the wilderness, that type of thing, you know. So I think she's a good fit for this part. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, the the I'm sure they, they spoke more about the the guy who played her husband weeks and weeks ago. Rusty Meyer. Mm. That's so. a good Western name, Rusty. <laughs> he plays now, a guy of named Conrad. <laughs> this raises the question, okay? You know, we're talking about Rosanna Arquette. So, who's your favorite Arquette? Because there's like a bunch of Arquettes. Oh, Patricia. In, uh, Patricia. In movie history. I'm I'm uh, a big see, I, I'm I'm a big fan of of uh, True Romance, and I thought she was amazing well, in that movie. That's that's justified. I and think, I'll even go I'll, I'll even go back into to Nightmare on Elm Street three. You know, she was also great there. Yeah. Oh, she's great in Nightmare 3, yeah. I, I think I'd probably lean more towards Rosanna, I don't know. But I, I got to give props to the others, too. I mean, David Arquette, I think, is one of the best things about the Scream franchise. I, I love him in those films. I mean, who who doesn't love Dewey? I mean, come on. That's true. Especially um, Courtney Cox. Yeah. And she, then, actually, um, she doesn't love him. <laughs> and then... Um, I always forget about Alexis Arquette, who is is great in The Wedding Singer. Um, you know, is the the one that um, is like the boy George type of character. The name of the character might even be George. I don't remember. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they've all got got some fun moments in their career. Yeah, I, I think we probably should start talking about Silverado because I think Jim is going to get upset at us. <laughs> <laughs> Because we are here to talk about Silverado. I mean, yes, we are talking about actors in Silverado, and and I'm sure we have a lot more to say about actors throughout the course of of this entire week. But I think we should keep it to somewhat to a minimum throughout the course. So <laughs> so basically, Emmett, for whatever reason, has decided that 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 he wants to actually try and pursue Hannah. So they 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 uh, you know he he walks over to her. You know, they're in the middle of this celebration. Now, do you have any idea what the celebration is? Because they don't really state it. I was trying to figure it out because i mean it's it's winter-ish time there's snow on the ground in places uh it's not you know just completely covered in snow so i'm thinking this has to be like this is probably like october november type of time frame i'm thinking um i live in this part in this general part of the the world i you know i don't, country, I don't think country, ever, country <laughs> yeah, they don't exactly say where Silverado is, like, state-wise, I don't think. It's, you know, they don't, you know, say this is in Utah or Colorado or stuff. I always assumed it was New Mexico because that's where it was filmed. Um, For some reason, I always thought it was Wyoming. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, all very similar in terms of the, you know, type of features and things like that. Um you know, so the type of setting that we're seeing there with the snow and the brown grass poking out, it's some, it, that's a site I'm very familiar with. I could go out, walk a few blocks from my house and see that right now. Ex uh, th let me correct that. If it had snowed, we have had hardly any snow this year uh, here in Colorado. But um, so I'm, I, I keep thinking it must be some kind of a fall festival or something like that. I mean, there's a moment here, I'm getting a little ahead of it, where they knock over uh, a table Right. Well, we haven't gotten to that part yet. Yeah, you know. Don't jump ahead. Don't, some, don't jump ahead. <laughs> you know, you see some food and stuff, you know, which makes you think, okay, maybe harvest time. I don't know. Yeah, so, but 
anyway. Right. So I actually just did a quick search to see where Silverado is. And the only thing I could find is where they filmed it, as you said, was in New Mexico. So that's the closest mm-hmm. thing. But there is a city named Silverado, California. But obviously oh. they're not in California because, you know, Emmett and they're trying to go to Cal- are trying to go yeah. to California. You know, it's, it's uh, maybe maybe they're trying to go to California and don't realize that they're actually there. That could be too. <laughs> that could happen. I mean, you know. <laughs> Let's go to California. Oh, I'm already there. <laughs> you never know. So, again, the, the the celebration, based on what I saw in the script, the celebration was basically because this wagon train showed up. You know, there's a farmer who decided that he's doing this this welcoming party, and that's what they're they're there for. We made it, and so let's have a party. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. We made it, and we're welcoming you to to the community type of thing. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're they're having this party. You can hear the the, the music in the background. It's like a, a jig type of music, uh, square dancing or things like that. Right. You see, as you mentioned, the fact that that it is cold because we we know about the fact that there's a little bit of snow on the ground. But if you take a look carefully at Hannah's hands, she's got these very very thick gloves on. There's like wool gloves that she mm-hmm. has on her hands. So she's cold. You know, Emmett might not be cold. He's there. He wants to warm her up. He's he's not wearing anything a lot more, a lot heavier, I guess you can say. On yeah. the table behind them, you see like some sort of biscuits or things like that. I mean, there's, there, there's we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, numerous types of food over the course of this week, too. When you're looking at the things that are either on the table or get thrown off the table or things like that. Mm-hmm. And then we have the conversation between them where Hannah basically says to him, oh, you came all the way out here just to tell me that you're going to California, which that's something that's going to completely get any girl's heart by saying, I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to California. So, you know, he didn't even invite her to come with him. You know, that's But he does say that that she makes it tough. She makes it tough for him. Well, and she also said that all you had to do was just go. You didn't even have to to say anything. And it's funny, she said, we'd never even see each other again. Now, Obviously, there was a little point where the two of them are, are looking out at the area that, that she's going to be starting her farm without her deceased husband. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess he realizes that, you know, she's there for, for, for the farmland. She's going to stay. So what she basically says is that, you know, you didn't have to come and say goodbye because you just leave. And I don't really care. <laughs> so, <laughs> then, he, then he basically says to her. Now, also, you can see that in the background, there's. There's a lot of pieces of wood for someone possibly uh, starting a fire or something like that, you know, in mm-hmm. order to start a campfire. Now, if you look in the original script, the original script actually mentions the fact that there is a bonfire going. So it's possible that the original idea was to have this take place at night, not during the day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think I think so, a lot of what's going to happen would be much more difficult to film for the viewer to be able to see what's going on if it was done at night as opposed to being done during the day. It would be. And I would, I tell you too, though, just from, you know, again, a, an actual experience type of, of point of view that in, in this part of the world, okay. Uh, in the wintertime, you can go out there and, and, and do stuff and it's, it's all nice and good. And it even gets quite sunny and, and, you know, relatively warm and it's not unpleasant at all. But because of our high elevation in this part of the world, once you hit nighttime, it gets cold. <laughs> it's not fun necessarily to be outside uh, in the wintertime when you're at a high elevation and it's getting chilly. Yeah, I'm, I don't live as high as you do in Denver, but but I'm still in a, a pretty high area. You know, we're, we're one of the few areas that gets snow in my country. 
because oh, wow. because we're so high. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm over six thousand feet where I am right now. So I couldn't even tell you how high we are. <laughs> we're not even close to being that high. But you know, we don't we don't need oxygen tanks like you guys do just to <laughs> just to drive up to your house. My lungs you know, it's like when you're climbing. Level, so yeah, I definitely do need that sometimes. <laughs> it's like when you're 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 climbing up Everest to get to Denver. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so their the, their conversation continues, and it's a very simple type of conversation. You know. So he basically says, "Well, that's why I'm here in order to basically say goodbye." And she says, "Why?" And and then he basically says, "Well, you don't make it easy on a fella." Mm-hmm. So then she says, "Well, maybe you thought you'd be back this way someday." And he goes, "Yeah, that must have been it." So again, it this is not a way to woo a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, eh, well, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Okay, yeah, no. I mean, he's he's basically saying, I'm off to California, and maybe one day in a year, two years, ten years, I'll be back, and hopefully you'll still be single, or be you know a widow again, or something to that effect, and then you'll you'll remember me, or something like that. It's it's a little strange. Yeah. He's taking his chances there. I mean, you, you got you got a got a woman that looks like Rosanna Arquette making eyes at you. You don't uh, you don't head off to California, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at when they filmed this, she was twenty five. So I mean, and as we said, he was uh, close to fifty at the time. I mean, I've always like I've always loved Scott Glenn ever since I saw him in The Right Stuff, the and right obviously stuff. in this That's movie. That's where I remember him from. Yeah, you know, I, I remember him also from this movie. And then, you know, Hunt for October, he was also great in Sons of the Lambs, Backdraft. He's, he's got some... He's some... just got that, he's got that hardened look to him, you know? He looks like a guy that's been through the ringer a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, I, I don't like him in movies lately because now he plays the grandfatherly type of character. <laughs> you know, he was in Secretariat and he played the grandfather. And I was like, how could he oh, be playing right. the grandfather? I said that he's, was, he's, I, I liked Secretariat. That I love Secretariat, but but I just wouldn't. I can't imagine him as the grandfather. That that's what gets me because I I still think in my mind that he's a lot younger than he than he really is. Because obviously yeah. now he's what is he eighty two now eighty three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll actually he'll be eighty three by the time this comes out he'll be eighty three. Uh-huh. So wow. All right. Well, keep keep going, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> we want to keep seeing you. How's that? Yeah. So then we continue, with the, <laughs> we continue with we continue with square dancing in the background. People are clapping hands to the music and things like that. You know, it's a very festive atmosphere of what's going on. This homecoming or welcoming party or whatever you want to call it. And then we can hear sounds of, back, of horses coming in the, the distance. Last. Yeah, it gets yeah. it gets gets less festive. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I love seeing, you know, we get, we, then we get a shot of, of Kevin Costner, Jake, who's with yet another woman throughout the movie. He, every time you see him, you see him with, with a different female extra, I guess you can say. Right. Someone who right. doesn't really have much to do in this movie. We'll, we'll talk more a little bit, a little more about that during the week also. We'll, we'll get but he's back always to... got his, got, he's always looking because he's really kind of the first one that spots the bad guys coming yeah. from a distance. Yeah. And you can see a whole bunch of different types of food that is right in front of him. You see a bushel of corn, you see apples, something that maybe looks like mashed potatoes. I think maybe that's what it is. And then he starts helping the, the woman that he's with with food as he's laughing with her. And then he, as you mentioned, is the first one to realize that something is coming. And he he quickly takes her and, and protects her by, by moving her behind him. 
which is, is a very noble and gentlemanly chivalrous way of doing it. So that, yeah. that's a lot of good. Yeah. A woman screams out, it's McKittrick's men. So as you know, I guess someone needs to, to, to let us know who it actually is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was ADR'd in later on because we need to make it clear who the bad guys are. Yeah, yeah. And it makes it very interesting because it makes it sound as if, okay, everyone is only afraid of McKittrick's men. Anything else is, is yeah. Is if fine. it was a, a bunch of other guys, you know, that are shooting, you know, and 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 riding in on horses, you know, oh, oh, that's just Johnson's men. Oh, it's okay then. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not McKintrick's men. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, we we this week we never get to see McKintrick, but I I was really shocked to see who played McKintrick. Do you are you familiar with the the actor who plays McKintrick? McKendrick. Sorry. What am I saying? Uh, I I McKittrick. am McKendrick. But... I keep saying McKintrick. McKendrick. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, 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 I recognized him, but I was having trouble placing what you know I, I, I recognize him from. Right. Okay. So his the actor's name is Ray Baker, and he plays McLean in. Oh yes. In Total Recall, he's the guy who isn't sure if he really is right breaking a a memory implant yes. or is putting in a new implant. He's he's the guy at Recall. So, so I I, I found it very interesting when I I noticed that today. When I was watching the movie, you know, he's just a, a bearded McLean, not John McLean, but the, the mm-hmm. McLean, the McLean from from Total Recall. So, yeah, that that's the guy everyone's afraid of. And I guess they had to put a, a beard on him, because if you see the way that he looks in Total Recall, he's not a guy that one would really fear. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of makes sense. <laughs> and then basically pandemonium ensues. Everyone runs Backwards They're literally and forth. People running, running in circles. circles. Yeah. People <laughs> running back and forth. It's it... And then McKendrick's men show up and they start shooting into the sky. I've never understood that. You know, why why shoot That's, into the I've sky? Because when you shoot too. up, was, those bullets like, are coming well, down. Yeah, they come down somewhere. Yeah. What happens? Are they still dangerous when they come down? I mean, we should get a ballistics expert in here to to tell us these things. I've always wondered about that. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna hit someone somewhere or something somewhere. Uh, because also it sounds as if they're pointing them at some sort of angle or whatever. They're pointing them straight up. Yeah. So if you point something straight up, it's well, going to come straight up. And they're down. not entirely Theoretically. shooting straight up because right so, at the very moment before this minute ends, we do have one person we see go down like he's been shot in the belly or something like that. So it's not completely just shooting up in the air. They are aiming at folks here at, at, at various points. Right. It could be. So these men show up and they, they have the, their horses enter the, the, the party area and people are once again running every which way they can to try and get away from the whole thing. And it's pretty cool the, the contraptions that they seem to have have added to their horses in order right. to, be able to you know, yeah, pull over like, tables. I, and I kept trying like to figure it out. It looks like they had some like some wood that was tied to a rope and they used that to knock over the table and it sends that what you know we assume are the apples flying yeah. when i saw that i thought okay those are a- i'm thinking those are yellow apples but i wasn't sure exactly i thought i guess they could be like onions but why would you have a, a bowl of onions you know that people are gnawing on you know or something like that but, well you want to give people a reason to cry well they didn't know mckendrick was going to come <laughs> <laughs> but kendrick's giving so let's find a way to cry for them to cry here without the onions Oh, yeah. I assume yeah. they must be apples. But, yeah, they go everywhere. It makes sense. That would make sense. Now, I mean, I noticed the fact that, that it looks like a very organized area. 
because you know you have like an outhouse there and you have chairs that are set up and you have all these lanterns hanging from from above and stuff like that you know they they, they set up they, they set up the gymnasium for the prom really well Well, in the old west they had you know party planners right i mean surely there were folks doing that type of thing you had your your cowboys and Apparently your gamblers and your or, or... gunslingers and your party planners yeah, I, I think it was Farmer Ted or <laughs> Farmer Ted, Anthony Michael Hall and Sixteen Candles. That Farmer Ted. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, according to the script, uh, it, it's being being this party is taking place at Bradley's place at night. Bradley. Okay. And they have all these these little girls that are that are playing on the on the roof and things like that. And and he tells them to to be careful that they don't fall off the roof. And you have Hobart talking at that point also, which Hobart was played by Brian James. Mm-hmm. You know, and he says, "Well, it might do them so good, Daniel. I wasn't worth a damn until I fell off the fell off the barn on my head." Uh, there's, there's a reason why they cut out these. That explains a these, lot. Uh, yeah. These lines. <laughs> yeah. So they, 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 you know, the script talks about the fact that they have tables that are that are laden with food near a large bonfire, and there are covered wagons nearby with children running around, and there's a pickup band of musicians, and we see Jake with with uh, a comely lass. That's what Humbly it says. Lass. Very good. Looking mighty, looking mighty slim without his double gun belt. <laughs> and they say he and his partner glide to, by Emmett, who stands shouting over the din with Hannah and Mr. and Mrs. Parker. Now, I don't know who the Parkers are. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Parker says, Hannah's the hardest working gal I ever saw. And Mr. Parker says, it's going to be all right. And Emmett says, well, I wish you the best, Mrs. Parker. And then Mr. Parker twirls his wife off into the dance. So I mean, it's a very it's a very festive atmosphere in 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 the script, mm-hmm. and then uh, it talks about Emmett uh, walking over to Hannah, and they they walk away from the music, and this says that he starts. Then they they talk about the fact about the these part the Parkers whoever they are, where basically Emmett says the Parkers seem like nice folks, and Hannah says they've been kind to me. And then he goes, Payton sends his best. Oh, that's interesting ah. that they say that in the script. <laughs> so then she said, I guess I put a good scare into him. I don't really know what she's talking about by saying that. And Emmett smiles in agreement. And then she says, well, I'm surprised to see you out here tonight. And he goes, I just came out to say goodbye. Goodbye? Yeah, me and Jake will be heading off to California soon. So Hannah is silent for a moment. She sits down at one of the tables and looks at him. For the first time, there is a softness in her voice. And then she gets into the whole thing with, with what we were talking about earlier in this minute, that you're just going to California. And he goes, that's why I'm here. And he sits down beside her and doesn't really know what to say. He's looking down in his boots. And he says, you don't make it easy on a fellow. And then she said, didn't Peyton tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, maybe something happened between her and Peyton. That's what it sounds like, yeah. That, yeah. And then he looks into her lovely eyes. And then and she says, well, maybe you thought you'd be back this way some, some someday. Yeah, that must have been it. And then they say on the top of the, the roof of the farmhouse, the little girl Carol is yelling and gesturing to her oblivious father below while her friend stares frozen into the night. So apparently they're the first ones to notice that the McKittricks are coming. Hmm, McKendricks. Interesting. I keep saying McKittrick. What's McKittrick from? For some reason, there's, there's, there's got to be some movie that's McKittrick. I don't know who that is. And they said that the, Jake is wiping his brow as he stands at the edge of the dancers. He looks up at Carol quizzically. Only now... Now do we hear it over the din of the music, the thunder of hooves, hooves out of the night, streaming around the farm buildings come streaming around the farm buildings comes a horde of masked, masked cowboys 
They weren't masked in the movie. Uh, Were they? No, yeah, some of them did Were have masks? masks on, yes. Yeah. They send up a horrible yell and begin firing their weapons in the air. Okay, that we talked about. Their arrival is so sudden that the celebrants are frozen in their places, mothers hugging children to them. Men uh, far from their weapons, there are screams. Emmett grabs a panicked child from the path of the horses and moves back, passing her to Hannah. He's trying to gauge his response in the midst of all these innocents. Two cowboys have roped opposite ends of a section of fence and go. now pull the deadly drag already thick with, with ravaged corn through the barnyard, knocking over everything in his path. So there, that's interesting. And according to the, you know, the script, this is something that they actually uh, created inadvertently. <laughs> you know, it wasn't something that they, they planned on doing. And then they say, I don't know if that counts uh, as well, premeditation we'll continue. or not. Yeah. Well, we'll continue with, with, with that part of the script tomorrow because that's pretty much as far as we get here. Mm -hmm. So, Todd, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute? I think we covered it. All right. So we want to thank everyone for once again joining us for the Silverado Minute. You can find the Silverado Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play or at the main site, SilveradoMinute.com. There's also lots of social media places you can find this. You can go to the Midnight Star, the Silverado Minute Listeners Saloon on Facebook and on Twitter, it's Silverado MXM. So for episode 71... I'm Rob. And I'm Todd. And yeehaw! Yeehaw! Movies by minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time, that's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best settle up now, kids, cause here we go! <laughs> <laughs>